Welcome to Harrison Church. We're glad that you've joined us this week. We hope that you enjoy this week's Pentecost message from Pastor Shane Page. Thank you for coming today. And uh, before I really start, a beautiful job. I mean, you can definitely tell it is Pentecost today. So uh, we thank you, people who made all this possible, the lights, the red. Uh, Pentecost Sunday, you know, it really is one of my favorite Sundays of the year as we just recall the day where where the Holy Spirit really descended upon the disciples of Jesus. They were gathered in Jerusalem. And then this is the day where the church was born today, some 2,000 years ago. Uh, Yesterday, I think it was, I uh, posted this on Realm. If you haven't signed up for Realm, sign up for Realm. But I posted on Realm as our communications platform. I thought, well, you know, since this is now the season of the Holy Spirit, it might be interesting for us for the next few Sundays just to think a little bit about the Holy Spirit. What is the Holy Spirit's role in the life of the believers? What what does the Scriptures have to say about this? Who is the Holy Spirit? So I hope this will be edifying for you. It'll be kind of at times more like a teaching uh, series, but that's okay. There's a lot that we need to learn. As a matter of fact, Jesus says the Holy Spirit will teach you. The Holy Spirit is kind of a teacher. We don't really talk a lot about the Holy Spirit, and I think it's really the Spirit's fault. If you look in John's Gospel... Jesus actually says, the Holy Spirit will glorify me. So the Holy Spirit is always wanting to direct us to the Father through the Son and not draw any attention to himself. Someone once called the Holy Spirit the shy member of the Holy Trinity. I love that, the shy member. It doesn't want all of the the attention. So let's uh, hear from Scripture this morning, the story of Pentecost. I'm going to be reading from Acts chapter 2, beginning with the first verse. I'm going to invite you to stand as you are able for the reading of our scripture this morning. When the day of Pentecost had come, they, meaning the disciples, they were all together in one place, kind of like you right now. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues, as of fire, appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. And amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? That's actually kind of an insult. Galileans, that's like from Gastonia. How is it? How is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? And I'm going to skip down to verse 12. All were amazed and they were perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? We're going to talk about that. But others sneered and said, They are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk as you suppose, for it's only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel, the Old Testament. And Joel said this, in the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy And your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, 
both men and women. In those days, I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. All right, so who is the Holy Spirit? I think that's a, uh, the best way for us to start out. I'm going to kind of give you a, a little bit of, a, of an academic definition, but I, I will tell you my favorite description or understanding of the Holy Spirit comes from the great saint, St. Augustine, who wrote many centuries ago. First things first, one of the things that we have to establish as Christians is that we worship a very peculiar God. We are unique among all the other peoples of the world. We believe in one God, yes, but we believe that God is one in three persons. Who are the three persons? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We believe that God is Trinity. Now, we do not believe that God one day became three. We believe that God has, from all eternity, always existed as three persons. Now, here's what St. Augustine did. Then that means that from all eternity, the Father loved the Son, the Son loved the Father, and the Holy Spirit is the love of the Father and the Son as a person. You see that? That the Father is the lover. The Son is the one who is loved, the Beloved. And the Holy Spirit is the love that's shared between the Father and the Son. And yet, this is not a love like we have a love. You know, well, there was a time in your life maybe you did not know to love your spouse. But this is a love that is God. And so it is this love of God, capital L, the Holy Spirit, that has descended upon all of us who are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. But the thing is, this is not a sentimental kind of love. The love of God is a love that burns. It is a love that directs. It is a, it is a love that disrupts. The order of things, just as this love disrupted the gathering here in Jerusalem. And the reason I say that is because I don't know what is going on, but there seems to be a catchword that I'm seeing over and over and over again among uh, candidates for ordained ministry, people who are thinking about becoming a pastor. And I have the privilege of, of working with many of these, mentoring them, reading some of their papers. But I keep noticing there's this word that is used over and over again. It's kind of like the Princess Bride, you know that movie? You, that word, you keep using that word. I do not think you know what that word means. But anyway, so we will say to them on their paper, you know, describe the Holy Spirit. Or I will ask, you know, tell me, what is the evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life or in the world? And this catchword, people keep saying gentle nudging. Gentle nudging. You are gently nudged and slowly guided to do the will of God. I get that. That's right. I'm not saying that that is wrong. But I pressed them a little bit. Because that is not how the New Testament understands the work of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit, you just saw the story, when the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples gathered in Jerusalem, it did not come as a gentle nudge. It came as a violent wind. Did you catch that? Like a hurricane. Here I am, rock you like a hurricane. I'm just on fire today, aren't I? Here I am. I mean, it's like a hurricane blowing through that gathering, blowing open the doors of that upper room, and then blowing the disciples out into the streets to declare in public that Jesus Christ is Lord. Then Peter, Peter it says, now remember Peter, this is important, Peter was the one who denied he even knew who Jesus was. Remember that story? 
He was the one who ran into hiding, went and just, you know, hunkered down and was afraid for his life. Peter, as soon as the Holy Spirit of God descends upon him, he rises up. And he is bold to declare this verbal proclamation that Jesus Christ is Lord. He spoke that. And that is such an important feature for us to keep in mind as we discuss who the Holy Spirit is and what the role of the Holy Spirit is in our lives. Think about this. The sending of the Holy Spirit, according to Acts, was first of all a speech event. It was a speech event. Think about those tongues of fire that alighted on each of the heads of the disciples. Tongues of fire. What does that mean? That was a symbol. That is a sign of the literal tongues that the Holy Spirit set on fire, giving the disciples boldness of speech, the courage to say, Jesus Christ is Lord. So the primary role of the Holy Spirit, this is the first thing that I want you to hear, the primary role of the Holy Spirit, according to Acts, is to set your tongue on fire so that you and I will have the courage and the boldness to say in public that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's what the Spirit is for, according to the book of Acts. I mean, if you think about it, we really do worship a very strange God. I mean, throughout the Bible, this is a God that we are worshiping today who has ordained it such that he will save the world through speech, through words. It's very strange. But think about the opening chapter of the first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1. Nothing existed, but what does God do? God speaks a word. Let there be. And then through the power of the Holy Spirit, everything comes into being through the power of God's word. The Holy Spirit then inspires the the writings, the words of the Torah, the law. We believe that the Holy Spirit inspired the words of the whole Bible. The Holy Spirit then inspires the words, the preaching of the prophets. It was the prophet Jeremiah who said, God's word is like a fire in my bones. And I am weary. I cannot hold it in. Words. Think about John's gospel, the the first chapter of John. That beautiful opening chapter. John says, in the beginning was the word. The logos in Greek. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And then John says in verse 14, and the word of God that was with God and is God became flesh and dwelled among us. I mean, John is saying that, that Jesus... Jesus is the living embodiment of God's speech, of God's word among us. Jesus even preached his opening sermon in in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4. He opens a scroll, he goes to the prophet Isaiah, and he says to the congregation, he says, The Holy Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Holy Spirit has anointed me to do what? To preach, to proclaim good news to the captives, to set the prisoner free. I mean, think about, think about what you're doing now. You've come to church this morning, and I'm always grateful to see you in church. I don't underestimate that at all or take that for granted. And if I were to ask you, like, why did you come to church today? 
You would say something like, well, I, I believe you know, God is the center of my life. I want to offer my praise to God, my thanks to God. We are thanking Jesus today as we should. Some of you come because you want to sing the music. We want to praise God. But I tell you this, I bet all of you, especially since we are Protestants, you have come this morning because you want to hear a word. You want the preacher, that's me, to say something, to inspire you with words. And see, and that's what the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is upon you. God has endowed you with His Holy Spirit to set your tongue on fire so that you will set other people on fire through your words about God. So the Holy Spirit is a speech. It's, it's about words. It's about language. I, can't, I cannot emphasize this enough. I mean, we've gotten to the point in, 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 in the church where we kind of think of the Holy Spirit as, what's the Holy Spirit for? Well, the Holy Spirit is meant to, to give me an experience. Right? The Holy Spirit is, God has given me the Holy Spirit so I can feel something. So I can come to worship and I can feel something going through me. So I can have this emotional response. And, and I'm not discounting that at all. That's true. I mean, there are times when you and I both can feel the Holy Spirit. Well, here's what I want you to notice when we talk like that. When we think that the Holy Spirit is just about giving us a feeling, a religious kind of experience, notice we, we imagine the Holy Spirit coming down upon us and then staying there, giving us this emotional experience right here. But notice what's going on here in the book of Acts. The Holy Spirit descends upon the disciples and then what happens? Sends them out. Moves them outside of themselves into the world around them. It is ascending. So what it means then to be filled with the Spirit is to be sent out. It's the Spirit to come down upon you and then to send you out into the world. Think, think about that image of the violent wind. Some of you have lived through hurricanes. Anybody done that before? You know, you've seen strong wind. Now, what happens when a violent gust of wind happens and you've got some things outside? What happens to those things? They're scattered, aren't they? Whoosh! Blown away and blown out. See, that, that, that is what the wind of the Spirit did to the disciples. They were not just huddled up. I mean, this idea that we're just going to huddle up with the Holy Spirit and it's just going to be me and my religious experience of God. This, this idea that we are hunkering down and, and not engaging anyone around us. That's what it looked like before the Spirit came. But once the Spirit of God came upon the disciples, they were blown out. They were sent into mission. They were blown away from just their gathering so that through their speech and through their words, they could tell others that, that Jesus Christ is Lord. I mean, it's an important thing to remember. As a matter of fact, I uh, was thinking about this last week and I found out that I was not the only person to, to recognize this. You know, I'll tell you, there is no such thing as an original fault in preaching. Nothing is original. But this struck me. Think about this. I cannot think of one person in the Bible who had a close encounter with the God of the Bible, a religious experience, who was not also at the same time sent out to go, to be in mission. 
You think about Moses, you think about Abraham, you think about Mary, you think about the disciples. Everyone who comes into contact with the Spirit of God, they are sent. They are moved away from their gathering. I mean, and see, what we have done is that we so often want one without the other. In other words, we want the Spirit. Oh, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit today. But, Lord, God forbid that i got to go out of here and bear witness to who you are. But you can't, if we want to be biblical, we can't have one without the other. That, that, to say I want the Spirit, but I, no, <laughs> I'm not good enough to say anything about it. That's to cancel each other out. That, that's what it looks like to quench the Spirit's power when we are not going to release the Spirit into this world. I mean, so so why, why, why am I harping on this? The reason I'm harping on this is because I truly can think right now of no greater need in the church today. And Pastor Kyle mentioned this last week. I can think of no greater need in the church today than for God's people, that's us, to be courageous enough to loosen our tongues and to tell people that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, we have been so conditioned by our society, we have been so conditioned They've done a great job of making it seem as if our religion, our belief in Jesus, this is a private thing. It's a private affair. Don't you dare speak it out in public. You've got to keep it right here in the confines of your heart. No. Christianity, of all the religions of the world, we are the most public. I mean, if, if as the New Testament says, Jesus Christ is Lord, and that's more than just Lord of your heart, if Jesus Christ is, as the New Testament says he is, the Lord of all principalities, all powers, all governments, all institutions, all nations, all people, then it behooves us to be public about our faith. This has been a theme that we have seen from time to time to time. And to say that Jesus Christ is Lord. You know, uh, people love that phrase. I've heard it here. I've, I've heard it for, for years. We love that phrase. We associate it with St. Francis of Assisi. Maybe you've heard this. But we'll say, always preach the gospel. And when necessary, do you know this? Use words. Man, we love that. Always preach the gospel. And when necessary, use words. Now, I hate to be the one to pop balloons in here. But that's heresy. It's not biblical. First of all, you'll be pleased to know that we have no evidence that St. Francis of Assisi ever said that. But second of all, to do that, not use words, that's what it looks like to stifle the Spirit's power. That, that's how you, you turn off the spigot. That's how you quench the fire of the Holy Spirit. It is just not it is not going to be enough in this day and age for us to say, well, you know what? I'm just going to leave uh, church. I'm going to study my Bible, and I, I am going to live by example. I'm going to love people. I'm going to do good deeds. And then people are going to see my actions, and as a result of my actions, they're going to know who I am. And I'm not discounting that. That is fine. But imagine if Jesus did that. You know, imagine if Jesus says, you know what? I'm not going to tell any more of these parables. Uh, that Sermon on the Mount, never mind, I'm just going to scrap that. I'm, I am just going to love the poor and love people, and then everybody's going to know the kingdom of God is near. How long do you think the, the Jesus movement would have lasted? It would not have. 
No, what he did is he, he spoke. He used words. He preached. And there was power in his proclamation. And that's why we are where we are today. His words had power. Pope Francis said uh, several years ago, he uh, played on that image. We saw this in our study on Revelation a few months ago. He played on that image of Jesus in the book of Revelation. You know this one where Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. You know that one? And if anybody will open the door, the door of their hearts, I will come in and I will dine with them. Wonderful image. And Pope Francis said, okay, we've done that, all right. You've opened the door of your hearts. You've opened the door of the church. You've let him in. But now Jesus is on the other side of that door, banging on it, desperate to get out. He says, let him out. Let him out. We have got to let Jesus out. A violent wind, a wind scatters. Now, hear me. I I am not saying to you today, and you know better, I'm not saying to you that, you know, you've got to just drive people nuts. You, you, just, you have just got to just annoy people. You know, like I said to you before, when you get on the bus, say, is this seat saved? Uh, no, well, are you? You don't, you don't say that. You don't say that. That's obnoxious. I'm not saying that. Nor, nor am I saying that you have to be sophisticated. I'm not saying that at all. If you think about the, the Pentecost story, the disciples in those days were considered to be very un- uneducated and very uncredentialed. None of them could have served as your pastor, at least in the Methodist church. They didn't have degrees. And see, and that's why they said, as I pointed out to you, all these people, they're from Galilee, Gastonia, Belmont? I mean, can you, what, what is going on here? That was an insult. All right, they were considered to be very simple people. But see, I love what, the, what, what Acts says, is that the Spirit gave each of them the ability, according to each. And what that means is that it was very simple. I mean, the only thing that Peter said in his sermon was, you killed him, God raised him, he's the Lord. It's as simple as that. What I am saying to you is don't, don't stifle the Spirit of God that has been given to you. I'm, what I'm saying is that when the opportunity comes, and I'm telling you, if you will pray for God to give you an opportunity to say something, He will. And what I'm saying is that when the opportunity comes, that you will ask God to give you the courage to loosen that tongue of yours and to say Jesus is Lord. If someone asks you why you live the way you live, you can just say Jesus is Lord. It's as simple as that. Why don't you, why, why aren't you impressed with wealth and riches? Why, aren't your, why isn't your life all about the accumulation of money and goods? Jesus is Lord. Why, why do you spend so much time serving the poor in your area? You know, the poor are poor because they want to be, right? No, you say, I do it because Jesus is Lord. Why do you live the way that you live? Because Jesus is Lord. That's all, it's, that's all it takes. There is power in saying Jesus is Lord. You know, so people have told me before, they have said, you know, I don't feel God in my life anymore. And if we take this lesson seriously, it might be the reason we don't feel God is because we have kept our mouths closed. And if you want to feel God, if you want to feel the Spirit of God, in a real and transformative way. Be willing to say to God today, Lord, make me willing and make me ready to say Jesus is Lord. And that's where this power of the Spirit happens. When you are willing to say that, it's, it's public. It is public. The Holy Spirit has been given to you to set your words on fire 
so that you can set somebody else on fire. All of you are here because someone spoke Christ into your life. That's how it happened with me. Speak. Speak. You know, Dorothy Day, one of the great saints of the church, I think about her every Pentecost Sunday was something that she said. Dorothy Day, back in the 1930s, 40s, and 50s, she completely devoted her life to serving the poor in the United States. Uh, She started the Catholic Social Worker magazine. She was just an amazing, prickly character. But I remember she said something like this. She says, if I have achieved anything in my life, and she achieved lots. She said, if I have achieved anything in my life, it's because I was not embarrassed to talk about God. If I've achieved anything, it's because I wasn't embarrassed. Could you imagine if that were your obituary? Wouldn't that be a good way to die? She wasn't embarrassed to talk about God. Paul, excuse me, Peter quotes the prophet Joel. And, and, and Joel says, the days are going to come when I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. And then he delineates the flesh. I'll pour it out on old men, old women, young men, young women, children, youth, everybody. And that's all of you in this room right now. The Holy Spirit has been poured out on all of you. All of us. So my friends, this Pentecost Sunday, hear me when I say this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you. Preach the gospel. Use words. Come, Holy Spirit, and set our tongues on fire. Let us pray. Oh, gracious Holy Spirit, help us be mindful of what we say when we say come into our lives. You will come into our lives, but you will send us out. And I pray for your church today, for the people who are here today, that you would set their tongues on fire. All the disciples rose up and they spoke. Jesus Christ is Lord. And I pray that my words would be set on fire, that these people here would be set on fire. There is a world out there that needs to hear good news. It will not happen by magic. It will happen through our witness. So give us boldness. Give us courage. And give us more of your spirit as we speak Christ is Lord more and more. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast. As always, you can find out the latest Harrison happenings online at harrisonchurch.org or you can visit us on our Facebook page. Have a great week.